And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today, Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. And on the phone is the Reverend Kevin Sherritt. Hi, Dan. Well, gentlemen, it's nice to have you here today on on this program. We have a very um, appropriate and interesting yet deep topic to talk about today. And that is, um, have you ever lost a friend? I'm sure you have. Maybe a loved one, a, a, a family member. A death affects all of us, and the, the grief that you go through. Well, um, there's hope, but it's not always that easy. Um, so today's discussion is regarding the Christian and grief uh, and loss and uh, all that goes along with it. And uh, these two fine pastors have certainly uh, been through it with, with their flock. And um, to get us started today, uh, gentlemen, what kinds of emotions perhaps have you seen um, Christians uh, experience, go through, uh, feel in their lives when they've lost a loved one? Well, of course, um, I'm sure that uh, Kevin would agree. I think we've seen them all, all of the range Mm. Uh, the whole range of emotions that people have, all the emotions, the, uh, from anger to uh, disbelief, uh, remorse, sorrow, um, despair, and sometimes great hope mm-hmm. that God is on the throne and that God is guiding and directing all things and even will see us through this. So you do see great hope as well. Yeah. So it's hard to predict how that's going to, to happen, too. Right. What about um, Christians, in particular Christians? Uh, we're supposed to have more hope. Is there sometimes feelings of guilt um, or regrets that that the Christians go through as as they've lost a dear loved one? Yes, I think that's natural because there's a sense of uh, not being able to say the sorts of things you want to say to that person, or regretting things you may have said or done. And so I think there's some sense of guilt in that perhaps you did not relate to that person the way you would have liked to have related to them. So uh, there's all sorts of emotions um, that are tied to guilt, and I I don't know, you may be alluding to this, Dan, but there may be guilt in the fact that, uh, you know, the person doesn't feel their faith can survive this. Mm -hmm. They, They feel weak, they feel hopeless, they feel a great deal of despair, and that despair can induce a sense of guilt and alienation from God as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, th- I think uh, uh, that people realize, and maybe only realize, that let's say, for instance, at death, uh, from the perspective of life in this world, death is so final, and it fixes whatever relationship you've had with a person as far as what you can say to them or communicate. And it leaves you, I think I've noticed, with the feeling uh, that I wish I could have said more, or I wish I could have expressed my love for that person, for I truly and really love them. And mm. sometimes it is only at death that we realize how much we love a person and how much we care for them when we can no longer have them in this world, in our lives. And so, yes, I, I see uh, uh, that produces what I would call uh, almost at times an unremitting sorrow not only from the person that uh, remains in this life and alive and has to carry on, but also the person who's dying. Uh, mm-hmm. I think one of the deepest emotions I've observed in people over the years when they are dying is just sorrow. Mm. Sorrow that they have to uh, leave things unfinished, undone, um, particularly if uh, they have children. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. 
I think there's a sense here in which um, life, I don't know if you'd want to call it life in a fallen world, plays a bit of a trick on us in the sense that we just all seem to naturally think we're going to have millions of years with our loved ones. Mm. Uh, we know that's not true, but there's, it, we really don't have an acute sense of the limitedness and the fragility of these kinds of relationships. And we, we shouldn't be paranoid about the fragility, but nonetheless, there's a sense in which um, when it does end, it almost is shocking. It's, it, yes. Now, some, um, some Christians many times will um, refer to various Scripture verses that the Lord brings to mind, which provide great comfort for the people of God, um, because we do have a relationship um, to this triune God as, as believers in Jesus Christ. Can you fellas think of some verses that have been especially uh, comforting to uh, people that you know, maybe to you personally, that you can refer to here uh, today? No question in my mind that the Psalms uh, come to the front, it seems to me, particularly in uh, my church, which has uh, its origin in uh, Scottish Presbyterianism. And the Psalter, of course, was much cherished in that tradition, and I can remember that the the older saints through the years uh, particularly relied upon certain verses in the Psalms, and certain Psalms, like Psalm 23. Hmm. Uh, We even, in fact, uh, we sing that to three different tunes in our hymn book. Uh, It's such an important uh, section of the Scriptures, and it offers great comfort. I think uh, a couple things that I've seen in my own life and in, in the life of the church as well uh, that help here. One is, and this refers back to our previous discussion, is the kind of realism that Scripture um, treats death with. Paul says that death is the last enemy. There's no glossing over um, the brutality, the bitterness of the reality of death, and that it should never be treated you know, as some sort of simple, natural eventuation or, or with a kind of you know, resignation, well, all things must pass, sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. It is, on the scriptural account, an enemy. Uh, it's an intruder, and um, and that's good because that's, in fact, how we experience it. Um, that resonates with, uh, with our human experience of it. So I, I find that, it may be strange, but I find that comforting that scripture treats death that way. And, and thus, with that background, you know, just the central tenets of the gospel, that Christ is risen. You know, Paul's great chapter in 1 Corinthians 15, that um, Christ has abolished death, you know, that he has um, brought life and immortality to light. And thus, while we grieve, he says in 1 Thessalonians, uh, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. And I think that's the right balance. Mm. There's real grief, because there's real tearing, because you're confronting a real enemy. And yet, because Christ is risen... Um, there is real hope. So in one sense, the, the issues that we confront, the grief that we confront in the loss of a loved one, at, at the death of a loved one, uh, take us right into the heart of the gospel, death and resurrection. Yes, and I think John 14, too, uh, offers a great deal of comfort to people. In my house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. That that offers a great deal of comfort to people because it presupposes the resurrection and, and the victory that Jesus won over death. And I think right. there lies the great comfort for Christians that there is a pioneer or one who has forged the way and has defeated death and has now been raised from the dead and uh, that we too, as he lives, will join him. Hey, amen. Hey, I see we're up against a break. Gentlemen, uh, Today here on Redeemer Broadcasting on Plain Answer, we're talking about the Christian in grief. 
Uh, so many of us have lost loved ones. How do we deal with it? Stay with us. On the other side of the break, we'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf in the studio with me today, Dr. John Vance on the phone, the Reverend Kevin Sherrod. Today we're talking about the Christian in grief. We've talked a little bit about death and what the Christian experiences, uh, having lost a loved one. And uh, reference was made to a couple of scripture verses. A well-known one is Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, etc. Just a wonderful comfort for the child of God. Um, Also, reference was made to John chapter 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. Um, Are there other forms of grief that are not the same as, but similar to some of the emotions you would feel with, with death, with the loss of a loved one, but other experiences in life where also a grief is, is, is sensed, is felt? I think loss in general produces grief. Hmm. Life assures us that we will lose things. The great Methodist preacher George Whitfield once talked about wealth and so forth, and he says, if you don't leave it, it will take wings and leave you. Um, we had a, a friend of ours, and I'm not going to go into it too much. As far as I know, I don't know their religious views, but I knew them in the community, and um, and I won't even mention the, the way in which it took place, but he committed suicide due to his financial situation. So it means that uh, things like divorce and job loss and loss of opportunities can also yes. be extremely devastating in life. Some people may feel like it's the same thing as a death going through a divorce and, and the, the, the rejection, the anger, just a terrible mix of emotions with that. Yeah, there's a sense of failure that comes with these sorts of things, a job loss or a divorce that is, uh, in the cases of some people, unremitting. It takes a long time for them to um, be lifted out of the darkness, and, and it requires the 
the love and the support and the, the prayers of the, of the community to understand that these wounds are, are deep and, the, and, and that grief is a pervasive reality. Mm-hmm. I remember some years ago visiting a, uh, a woman who had been left with uh, two children, and she didn't see it coming. And uh, I was visiting with her, and uh, what I, I came away from that uh, aware of how much this circumscribed her life. And almost every decision and everything that she did was in the light of that loss. She was embittered still to this day, even though a Christian, and had never really come to terms with uh, what had happened to her. She did feel rejected, and she did uh, uh, felt doomed in some ways to try to uh, raise her children on much less than she would ever have had, and the loss of opportunity for her children. Mm. And so that produced anger. Um, uh, yes, it can happen that way, no question about it. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking here also the role that the church can play in terms of healing and a balm for the people of God. What have you fellas seen in terms of Christians being helped by the body of Christ? Well, I think there's a number of dimensions here where the, the life of the church is helpful. I mean, just, just the support, the listening support, the love and concern of the community is a fundamental uh, factor. We live in a fragmented age, you know, and in an age where a lot of people bear a lot of grief alone. And um, so the, the church is, is called to weep with those who weep, mm-hmm. to come alongside those who mourn and just be there and strengthen them and... Um, Everything starts there, and that, that's indispensable. There's a lot of other things, but that, that incarnate being there is, I think, basic to the church's calling in these situations. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this. I've noticed particularly at death, um, people who are dying and leaving this world, one of the things that I've noticed is that uh, they do not want you to, to speak to them platitudes. They want to deal with it straight on, and... Uh, uh, recently, of course, uh, all three of us know of a person who passed away who was a great friend of all of us, which mm. probably provoked this mm-hmm. this uh, discussion. Uh, what she didn't want above everything else was uh, pious platitudes. Uh, now, she was struggling uh, to live uh, for her family, uh, but she trusted Christ, and she really oh, yeah. did, and she died in the arms of the Lord. And there came a place where she uh, knew what the outcome was going to be, in spite of all the prayers. And so she had to accept what was inevitable here. Mm. But the things that brought her the most comfort were simply the words of Scripture and prayer, but not just simply dismissing her deep disappointment and uh, and so forth about the situation that she was in. Yes. Um, going back to some Scripture verses, um, just reading a couple of Psalms here. Pastor Vance, you referred to the Psalter. It's the Psalms. Um, Psalm 9-9. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. I think of some of our listeners that uh, tune in to Redeemer Broadcasting during the night hours, the wee hours of the morning. Some of our folks are unable to find sleep sometimes, or up in the middle of the night. And it's um, the Word of God that is such a comfort to people, whether it is sung or it's, it's read, spoken, um, another psalm, uh, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Um, there is something about God that 
the world can't match. I mean, he is our comfort. And uh, yes, we perhaps take comfort in him imperfectly, many times. Nonetheless, he is there and he is our comfort. One of the great scriptures, and I'll let Kevin, of course, follow uh, here. I'm probably talking too much, but uh, that great invitation in the scriptures, uh, one that I use a lot in the church because it is so comforting. When uh, in Matthew's gospel, our Lord says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I think that's what we have to remember. (laughs) Uh, Those kinds of of situations, the Lord has not promised that we will not go through these things. Loss, loss of job, loss of career, loss of spouse, yes, eventually loss of earthly life. But through it all, we have one who has identified himself with us in our sufferings through Mm -hmm. his cross. Amen. I think of... um uh, Hebrews 5, which says of Jesus himself, you know, although he was a son, um, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And in the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers with loud crying and supplication to the one who was able to save him from death. And, uh, and you know, having been made, having been perfected through his death and resurrection, is now the, the source of uh, our salvation. And so, as John said earlier, we have a forerunner. And that is, of course, true. What we often miss is that means we have to run basically that same path of death and resurrection. Mm. You know, there's another pastoral interest that I have and when it comes to uh, loss and grieving. Uh, and it is this. Particularly Christians, we may become impatient with our, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through difficult times. I think we have to give them space to grieve, and we have to give them space uh, to work things out. And to come to a place again, new and fresh, where they trust the promises of God. Sometimes we expect an immediate turnaround, uh, but that is that is unrealistic. Sometimes I've discovered that I have to hold people's hands for a while until they can come to the place where once again uh, they can look up and affirm that all things work together for good to them that love God mm. and are called according to his purpose. But we may not be able to say that immediately, and I think the best thing sometimes for a Christian is to be patient with their fellows and their brothers and sisters who are going through trying times and hold their hands. It is like going through a tunnel. Mm-hmm. And, and we come out on the other end and affirm the resurrection, affirm the sovereignty of God and his promises. Talk to us a little bit about the resurrection. Um, this is such a key element of hope for the Christian. Well, I think it's, it's in one sense, it's the element. You know, Paul says if our hope is in Christ in this life only, um, which it easily becomes for us, we tend to gravitate toward that somehow. He says then we're the most pitiable of men, uh, which is really a striking remark from Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, if Christ is raised from the dead, uh, then we have hope. And we can eventually, as John said, maybe after some time, some assistance from our brothers and sisters in the church, we can find our way. But if Christ is not raised from the dead, then eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. So this is, um, you know, this is a non-negotiable, indispensable uh, heart. It's at the heart of the Christian faith. Without, mm-hmm. it, there's, without it, there's no hope. Yeah. Everything hangs on it, doesn't it, Kevin? Everything. Amen. Yes, everything hangs on it. And uh, and. Uh, 
the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is, is for a reason at the center of the Christian faith. His death, burial, and resurrection, that is the gospel. And ultimately and finally, our message is one of great hope and comfort because we proclaim Christ Jesus, who came into the world to seek and to save the lost. He died for our sins, and on the third day he was raised again, and now he sits at the right end of the Father from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead, says the creed. Mm-hmm. So that is our hope, and I, f- I think finally that's that's what we, we come to. It may take us a bit, or, or a friend who's in a in a dark place, it may take them a bit to come to that, but that mm-hmm. really is the only message we have. It is of great comfort, and the truth is, as the Apostle says, if that is not true, then we are all most miserable. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've just uh, come across this broadcast today. We're talking about the Christian and grief, and um, you say, boy, that's awfully morbid. I could care less. <laughs> I could care less. Um, you should care, however. Um, our lives in this world are very brief. Um, the scriptures describe it as like a, like a flower blooming and then fading away. And um, so quick it is that uh, we pass to the next life. Um, I'm looking here at a, a verse of Scripture. Kevin, you'll, you'll have this on your heart because you just preached through Ecclesiastes. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and verse 2. And it talks about this. It says, It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. So out of this broadcast today, we would uh, encourage you, if, if you have that feeling like, oh, I could care less, Take this to heart, because it's some real practical information that will help you down the road. Kevin, what um, what kind of thoughts come to mind you know, with respect to Ecclesiastes 6.2? Well, again, I, I think there's something uh, counterintuitive about that, but extremely profound. I mean, the, the point is simply that the funeral home is better than the party, mm-hmm. because the funeral home brings you face-to-face with the ultimate things, with the ultimate issues of life. And that the uh, and that life is not a perpetual party, and that in one sense it is better to go to the funeral home, to the house of mourning, because you can contemplate your end, you can reassess, you can recalibrate your life, you can strip the platitudes away, as, as John said, and, and focus again on the death and resurrection of Christ, and reorient mm-hmm. yourself to go out and live life and embrace life, but nonetheless as as a person who. Um, it does not have this perpetual notion that they must seek the next party or the next experience or, or, or that somehow, you know, uh, mirth is necessarily the goal. You know, joy always comes to us indirectly. I think in, in connection with that verse of a famous church in Rome called the Church of the Bones that has thousands of, of, of bones of, of dead monks actually stacked up in the, in the nave of the church. And, you know, it's, it's, visitors can go to this church mm-hmm. and, and you're literally confronted by... Uh, floor-to-ceiling skeletons of, of monks, and there's a sign above the skeletons that tells the visitor where you are, I once was, where I am, you will soon be. <laughs> now, that's kind of morbid to Westerners, but it is um, a vivid, and I think a Christian uh, reminder. I think it's a vivid um, incorporation of that Ecclesiastes 6 text that says uh, it's always good to, to, to be taught to number your days because you don't have an mm-hmm. infinite number of them. Yes. Uh, and, of course, the writer of Hebrews puts it even as starkly as it can be put. Uh, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Very simple. Right. Right. Um, and we do uh, try to deny that. Let's just, I'm speaking now, generally speaking, as human beings. Right. 
we seek experiences. We seek uh, to try mm-hmm. to avoid that reality through maybe, yeah, attending the party, uh, doing whatever. Now, there's nothing wrong uh, with uh, uh, enjoying life. In fact, there's something wrong if you don't. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if that is your life pursuit and not uh, the pursuit of reality, as, as T.S. Eliot once said, and I believe it was Eliot who said, uh, man cannot stand too much reality. Now, there is a reality, and it's a brute fact, and that is that we all will die. And that's why I think the psalmist would have us to live our life contemplating our end. So teach us, O Lord, to number Mm -hmm. our days, that we might, what, apply our hearts to wisdom, embrace the whole reality, Mm -hmm. so that we might understand life. Well, you know what, gentlemen, I was just looking at the clock here, and we've run out of time for this program. Uh, Kevin, maybe one wrap-up thought uh, before the end. Well, I guess these sorts of discussions always remind me that God in his mercy and his goodness and wisdom has suited the gospel to our needs. When we talk about the ultimate things, we talk about things as grievous as the loss the three of us just just suffered and and, uh, and the loss of our friend and death and and the grief that attends other events in life. what is the remedy we need for this sort of a thing? What takes this kind of human condition serious? And it seems to me God takes it seriously in sending his son to die, mm. to suffer, to be abandoned, to be alienated, to, to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knows what it's like to cry out and to seem to have your prayers not answered. He knows what it's like to suffer, to be afflicted, to die, and then in our humanity to be raised. It, I, I guess... I'm encouraged that the gospel seems not to float on top of the world, but to get down into the reality of the world to to be able to transform it. Mm. Amen. Well, with that, we are out of time. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today for another edition of A Plain Answer. And to our listeners, thank you. Uh, If you wish to contact us, again, our email address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. This broadcast will be posted up on our website as well. Avail yourself of that opportunity by going to RedeemerBroadcasting.org. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today has been Dr. John Vance, and on the phone, the Reverend Kevin Sherritt. Please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 